appreciate uh, all you guys have done leading us this, this morning. Well, the Christmas season is not only uh, considered by some one of the most stressful times of the year, it's also considered uh, one of the most dangerous, potentially. A few years, a few years back, uh, pre-COVID, a research firm from Great Britain uh, reported on statistics related to Christmas stress and accidents. Listen to these. Almost 20% of people find the experience of hosting guests and preparing for Christmas meals and festivities completely overwhelming. 33% of women feel more stressed throughout December than any month across the year. Listen to this one. 3% of people suffer an electric shock due to badly wired Christmas lighting, and 1 in 50 fall out of the loft or attic trying to get the tinsel and all the decorations down. Is anybody? Don't raise your head if you fell out of the attic. Some 2.6 million people have fallen off a stool or ladder while hanging up the decorations. I bet some of us could shake our heads with that one. And a mammoth 700,000 people have been injured in a sale rush while trying to snag a bargain, bargain, which is why online shopping is a lot more popular now. Well, Christmas, at least the commercial Christmas, can be quite hazardous, and we could certainly use a dose of Christmas peace. Well, this morning, uh, we continue our journey through Advent with our series, Nativity Stories. And in this series, we're taking a look at the different characters of the Christmas story to learn how we can learn from their example and draw nearer to Christ and experience a sense of renewal of His presence in our lives. Just as we celebrate and we remember the first coming of Christ, that first Christmas, and just as we look forward again in the fullness of God's time to his return, we also want to take a look and celebrate and remember what it's like to experience the renewal of Christ in our lives every day. It's interesting, the very first Christmas when the good news of Jesus was announced, it was not met with joy and celebration. The first reaction to the announcement of Jesus was one of fear. Each time the news was announced, first to Zechariah, then to Mary, the, then the shepherds, even King Herod, their first reaction was some form of fear, or in Herod's case, paranoia. One of the great Advent themes, as Hank shared with us earlier, is the theme of peace. It's of peace. Yet peace can be so hard to define. Yet when we don't have peace, we know it. We feel it. We feel it deep in our bones, deep, deep down in our souls. And it can be elusive at times. A.W. Tozer wrote, Christ came to bring peace, and we celebrate his coming by making peace impossible for six weeks of each year. He came to help the poor, and we heap gifts upon those who do not need them. It's a sermon for another time. Fear stress, and anxiety can rob us of the peace of Christ. And one of, one of the things I want us to see this morning is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, took a journey. She took a journey from fear to nativity peace and a sense of her soul being settled. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 36 through 38, and hear this familiar story again with fresh ears. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Did you catch how she was described? Blessed and highly favored. Now, notice the text doesn't tell us why Mary was chosen for this blessed mission. She was an ordinary, fallible human being. She was not beyond the reach of fallibility. She was not beyond the reach of temptation and not beyond the reach of sin. Later, Luke tells us uh, in the text, uh, later in uh, the first chapter of Luke, he tells us that Mary broke out in praise. She broke out in song. And in her song, the very first Christmas carol, she refers to herself as a humble servant. So we know she didn't feel worthy of the blessing to be the mother of Jesus. Could it be that she found favor because she was a woman of unusual faith coupled with humble obedience? That is a powerful combination. She was a woman of unusual faith coupled with humble obedience. And this faith combined with obedience led her to a sense of peace in a most unusual, and we could all agree, potentially very stressful situation. Angel coming to you and saying, you're going to be the mother of the Son of the Most High. Now, I think one of the aspects of Mary's faith that we need to notice is that she had a a curious faith. She had a curious faith. Gabriel told Mary that she's going to have a baby, but not just any old little boy, the Son of the Most High God. Now, she was a young teenager, but she knew enough to know this was absolutely, biologically impossible. And so she asked the very natural question. She got it right out there on the table that first Christmas. How will this be since I am a virgin? And I don't want to split grammatical hairs, and and you really don't want me to either, but I'm going to for a moment. But the NIV and the King James Version translates this question, how will or how shall this be? It is a question that is leaning forward. It's leaning forward into the future. How is this going to happen, God? You see, we could ask this question not with an open-minded, leaning forward curiosity, but we could ask it with a suspicion. You know, it's a very different translation to say, how can this be, God? That's very different than how will this be? When it comes to hard questions of the faith, there's a world of difference between a leaning forward curiosity and a backward leaning suspicion. 
But either way, one of the ways for your faith to become stronger this Christmas is to ask honest questions of God. Be open to exploring faith on a deeper level. Hey God, can we talk about this? How can something like this be? Personally, I believe it is really helpful to challenge some of the ways that you've engaged faith in the past. Over, in over 30 years of ministry, a common concern I've heard from parents of, of teenagers, young adults, and actually people of, of all ages comes when, for parents when their kids are questioning or challenging their faith. And I remind them that the, that the Bible is full from cover to cover of people who ask questions, maybe not in the same words as Mary, but ask questions, God, how's this going to be? How's this going to work out? And if you grew up in the church, if you've always known the faith, if you've always known these stories, it is not unusual at all to go through a period of deconstructing and then reconstructing your faith. And it's not, it's, it, it's a, it can make you stronger as long as you do that with a leaning forward aspect of faith. Over the last few years uh, since COVID-19, we've seen a lot of Francis Collins, the director of the NIH. And I've shared some of his story before. He's about to retire soon. But Dr. Collins uh, is a man who, who came to faith uh, during his medical school residency. He was a, he was a man that, that struggled with faith and denied faith, but then the Lord started working in his heart and people started sharing their faith with him and he opened his heart and he became and is a very, very strong follower of Jesus Christ. One of the ways that Dr. Collins has taken his experience it and used it on mission for God is he has created a ministry that helps young college students who get to college and then began to question some aspects of their faith, particularly in the scientific world. And he has put together various different types of ministries, a website uh, his ministry has uh, called BioLogos that helps people wrestle with questions of science and questions of faith. And I love how Dr. Collins uh, talks about science. He says that science is the other language of God. It's the other language of God. What a beautiful example of someone who's wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and leaned forward in his wrestling and curiosity. Notice something. Gabriel the messenger, God's messenger, treated Mary differently than he did Zechariah. If you remember Zechariah's story, Zechariah questioned Gabriel. How in the world is it possible for Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, to have a baby, he asked Gabriel. Very same angel. He asked Gabriel the same. How is this possible? You know, my wife is old. He's the only person in Scripture who can get away with that story. That, that, well, Abraham too. How, how is this possible? Then Gabriel responded by shutting Zechariah's mouth for nine months. Okay? Teach him to call his wife old again, right? Now Mary asks the question. She asks the question, and he continues with the dialogue. He doesn't sort of click off a cliche, God said it, you need to believe it, and that settles it, does he? I don't know why Gabriel treated them differently. Maybe it was the difference between cynicism and curiosity. Maybe Mary is forward-leaning. Maybe Zechariah is backwards-leaning, or was backwards-leaning. Or maybe... It reminds us that God brings us to the truth 
in different ways, depending on what we need. Some of you may need to hear more analysis and reasons to believe in order to take the leap of faith. Others of us need to hear stories, and we're drawn to stories of how God has worked in the lives of people, like Dr. Collins that I just mentioned, that we need to hear those stories, and we're encouraged by stories, and that brings us to a place of faith. Still others are drawn to faith in the work of God when we see hungry bellies being fed, when we see lives being changed, relationships being repaired, people being healed. And we come to faith that way. Maybe it's God treated them differently because they needed different things to come to a place of faith. If you're a spiritual seeker this morning, take heart. Let this encourage you. God knows you and God will make himself known to you. It may be dramatic as in the way of Zechariah or it may be in thoughtful dialogue as it was with Mary. But I encourage you this morning, approach God with a faithful curiosity and tell God that you want to know him. If you know him, what would it look like for you to move into a deeper place with your faith and say, God, hey God, I want to go deeper in my relationship with you. I want to draw closer to you and know more about you and the mystery of faith. Well, let me suggest one more way that Mary's faith and her example can lead us to a place of peace guided by the Holy Spirit. And that is that our peace is not bound by our limitations. You know, that's one of the most powerful aspects of Mary's story for us is that peace is not bound by our human limitations. Anxiety and fear are usually driven by a keen awareness of our limitations. When we sense life moving beyond what we can manage or control, when we come to an end of what we sense will be our resources, we come to a proverbial spiritual fork in the road. We can take the path of fear and anxiety because we've lost control, or we can believe God to take us beyond our limits. We can believe God to take us beyond where we've been before and believe God to take us beyond what is possible. We believe God to move us beyond our fears, beyond our failures, past our limits, and into his peace. Mary was well aware of her limitations. She knew it was impossible, biologically impossible, for her to have a baby. And she's wondering and working it out. How is God going to move me beyond my limits? And that's how faith pushes us, doesn't it? Beyond our failures, beyond our circumstances, beyond our fears. Fear is all about our limits and what binds us. Faith is about hitching our wagon to the God of the universe for whom nothing is impossible. The God who speaks and the entire world comes into existence. The God whose word never fails and the God who has kept all of his promises. You may remember God told Abraham, he gave him his word that even though he seemed limited, he would be the father of a nation and he did. God told Moses, he gave him his word that he would lead him to liberate his people from slavery to a world superpower and God did. 
God told Gideon to reduce his army, even though military people know and common sense will tell you, especially back then, the more troops you have, the better chance you have of winning. But God told Gideon to limit his army. He would give him the victory, and God did. God's angel told Zechariah that he and Elizabeth were going to have a baby in their old age, and they did. God's word will not fail. We might wobble, but God's word will not fail. Bring to mind a limit that you believe is holding you back from being the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Maybe it's a limit. Maybe it's a fear that's causing you anxiety and great worry. It's robbing you of the peace of Christ this Christmas. This week, simply make the commitment to have a conversation with God. God, how are we going to do this? God, how are you going to do this? And tell him what you know your limits are, what your fears are, what your frustrations are. N.T. Wright wrote, the Holy Spirit enabled Mary to do and be more than she could do or be by herself. That's God's promise to us. The Holy Spirit will indwell us and enable us to do and be more than we could ever be by ourselves. Now, there's a key to this limits-busting faith, and that is that Mary ultimately believed God. Mary ultimately believed God. 70% of American stats say believe in God, but there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. We read in the gospel accounts that even demons believe in Jesus and they acknowledged him, but they didn't believe God. Take a closer look at the dialogue between Gabriel and Mary. In verse 38, Mary said to Gabriel, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then Mary, as she visited Elizabeth, Elizabeth said of Mary, blessed is she, Mary, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You see the difference? Believing in God and believing that God will fulfill his promises are two different things altogether. So a gentle question for us all. Do we believe in God? Or do we believe God? Mary acted in faith. And God confirmed the word as she acted. So, Christmas people of God, God will call you to believe. He will push you out of your comfort zones and limits and invite you to trust him deeper. And as you do, he brings you into his peace. You know, one of the best analogies of God's peace that uh, I've ever read, and it's, it's an analogy from uh, the world of, of the sea, but it's um, uh, a story I read once about uh, how the Navy was doing deep, uh, seeking to do deep sea research. And as they would go deeper and deeper and deeper in the sea, they realized they need to create these special submarines. And, and I'll lose all the technological terms here, so those of you who are in the Navy, just bear with me. But they, would, they, would, they had to build these submarines that had really thick walls because in the depths of the sea, the pressure of the ocean would, would, would crush a regular submarine like, like you and I could crush a Coke can, right? I mean, just, just like that. 
Well, when the Navy started doing their research, they got deeper and deeper. They noticed something really fascinating. There were these fish down there who had just really normal-looking scales and skin. Now, it was different, different fish, but it didn't look that different. And what they realized is that because of, of how they lived in the depths of the ocean and how God wired them to be, that they had a pressure within them and a force within them greater than the force that was coming against them. The force within them was equal to or greater than the force coming against them in the depths of the ocean. That is the peace of God. The peace of God doesn't mean you won't experience hardship. It doesn't mean you won't experience hard and difficult times. But the peace of God, nativity peace of God, means the force within you, the Holy Spirit of God, is equal to greater than the force without. And you can have His peace. Well, Mary took a journey and she experienced the peace of Jesus. How about you this morning? Are you ready this year to move beyond your limits? Trust the Spirit to enable you, just like Mary, and to do more than you could ever do on your own. Say yes, like Mary, to receiving Jesus. Will you pray with me? Will you just bow your head and close your eyes? And let's pray together. God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy. The universe declares your majesty. God, your glory and power are boundless, and so is your incredible and mighty and great love for us. Your care, your compassion, your tender mercies, they fail not, and we stand in awe of you today. God, there may be some here today who struggle to believe you. Some who've never opened their hearts to Christ and said, yes, work through your Spirit. Work through your grace to touch hearts this morning. Bring people to the point of yes this morning. God, some of you may be experiencing, some of us may be experiencing a season of just a, a wobbly faith. We believe you but a fog has settled at times in the valley of life. And it's hard to grasp your promises. Come in a new Advent way. Give us faith. Strengthen and refresh us. And God, there are some today, no doubt, leaning and believing your promises, leaning forward on the edge of their seats of faith. Call these your servants to a deeper place of faith, a deeper, rich-filled experience of bearing Christ to the world. God, we ask you to work as only you can work because your word does not fail and nothing is impossible with you. In the name of Jesus, we humbly ask and we humbly pray. Amen. Well, this morning we uh, are going to conclude our service today by celebrating communion, uh, also known as the Lord's Supper, also known as the Eucharist, depending on the faith tradition in which you grew up. 
And just let me share with you that uh, communion is, is uh, open to anyone who has expressed their faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate in the Lord's table. Uh, on chairs near and around you, uh, no doubt uh, you see a little kit there. And uh, I like to always give a, a slight word of, of explanation. There, there are two openings to that kit. The first one is to the wafer. Uh, and the second one is uh, to the juice. Now, hear these words written by Augustine centuries ago. He wrote, Our Lord came down from life to suffer death. The bread came down to hunger. The way came down on the way to weariness. The fount came down to thirst. And even during the Christmas season, we celebrate and we remember and we give gratitude to our Lord's sacrifice for us. On the night of Jesus' arrest, on his way to the cross, Jesus gathered to share the Passover feast with his disciples. And as he was sharing this feast, he took, feast, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. And he told him, this is my body. It is given for you. Whenever you eat this bread, remember me. I invite you to eat. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, the bread of life that nourishes our souls. Amen. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he poured it. And he said to his disciples that this is my blood. It is shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many. This is the new covenant established in my blood. When you drink this cup, remember me. Thank you, Jesus, for the life that we have in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, this concludes uh, our service for today. I'm so glad uh, that you joined with us this morning uh, for this second Sunday of Advent. Let me share with you uh, a few highlights before our closing um, uh